I tried to do today is actually teach everyone, the young and the old. And so if you would, please stand with me as we go to the Word, 2 Chronicles 34, but I want to do something a little different. I want us to try something maybe a little weird for some of you, if you're open to it. See, when we share God's Word with our kids, we know that sometimes it's a little bit harder to unpack Right? There's a lot of words that maybe don't make sense or they're not ready to understand. And so we try to take a more kid-friendly approach to Scripture sometimes. So we like to use Bible story videos. And uh, it helps to capture their attention and maybe, maybe make the word a little bit more digestible for them. So since our kids are here with us today, I'd like to give you guys a taste of what that might be like. Is that okay? Is that okay? All right. Well, then let's look at the screen and hear about Josiah. Maybe let's start it over and then turn the volume up. Josiah became the king of the Israelites, God's special family, when he was just eight years old. Even though he was a kid, he ruled the whole southern part of the kingdom called Judah. Josiah's dad, King Amon, had gotten into deep trouble and been hated by the people who worked for him. He hadn't followed God at all. In fact, like many kings before him, Amon ignored God and worshipped false gods called idols. All over the land, he built idols and places to worship idols. By the time Josiah became king, most of God's family didn't pay attention to God anymore. But Josiah was different. When he was 16, he started to follow God and look for ways to obey him. Then, four years later, he realized that all the idols were stealing the worship that belonged to God. So he began to get rid of them. A few years after that, he decided to really focus on worshiping God by rebuilding a beautiful temple to the Lord. And that's when something happened that caught Josiah by surprise. It all started when Josiah sent an official who worked for him to the temple to pay the people rebuilding it. While the official was visiting, a priest who worked there told him, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Josiah couldn't believe the priest discovered a whole book full of God's own words. When Josiah heard the laws, he realized how much he and the Israelite people had been disobeying God. He felt so sorry that he tore his clothes and cried in distress. He knew God had every right to be furious with him. To figure out what to do next, Josiah sent the priest who found the book to talk to a prophet named Huldah. Remember, prophets talk to God, then share what God says. Josiah wanted to know if there was any chance God would forgive them. God told Huldah that the Israelites deserved to be punished for disobeying him over and over and over again. But since Josiah was sorry and wanted to repent, which means turn away from his disobedience and start following God, he could be forgiven. In other words, God had mercy on Josiah. Kids, mercy is forgiving someone even though they don't deserve it. God loves to give us mercy when we repent. When Josiah heard that, he called together a crowd of people, took them to the temple, and read them the entire book of the law. Then. He promised to obey the Lord, and because Josiah was king, the people wanted to be like him and obey the Lord too. Now, when Josiah obeyed, he really obeyed. He had every single idol removed. He destroyed every place that had ever been used to worship idols. He collected all the things that had been used in idol worship, in temples and even in people's houses, burned them, and took the ashes far away. 
basically, he got rid of every last trace of anything that had ever been used to worship false gods. And because Josiah obeyed God, guess what the Bible says about him? It says, never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength. And there has never been a king like him since. This eight-year-old kid was the best king Israel had ever had. All because he loved God's words and obeyed them. And that's the story of Josiah. So, in case you missed it, here's the quick version. Josiah became king. He was eight. Josiah followed God. He rebuilt a temple for the Lord. A priest discovered a book of God's law. Josiah read it. He had been disobeying God. Josiah was sorry. He deserved to be punished. Josiah repented. God showed Josiah mercy. He obeyed God with his whole heart. There were no other kings like him. And that's a part of God's story. And that, in a nutshell, is Second uh, Chronicles 34. <laughs> Please be seated. <clears throat> the term influencer has become incredibly popular in our modern culture. So much so that it's actually almost synonymous with Gen Z. From Instagram to TikTok to YouTube, it feels like every kid wants to be an influencer these days. They desire to emulate those who have achieved fame and notoriety through social networking because it feels like it will bring them a sense of worth. The title, influencer, is appropriate because it's given to those who have gained the ability to sway an audience with their thoughts, feelings, and actions. They're given a platform with the spotlight shining on them so that their voice might be heard by many. In so many ways, Josiah was an early model of this. I had a, a couple of people that I voluntold were going to come up here today. So could I have, where's Bennett and Martin and John? Where are you guys at? Come on, John. Come on. I love visuals when I teach kids, and so I'm going to use them today to help teach all of you. So, I, Bennett, I'm going to have you stand right here. Right here. Perfect. Martin and John. Eight, 12, and 18. These are the benchmark moments that we're told Josiah's life pivoted on. First of all, I need to ask you guys a question. If you today were made king of the entire nation, what's the first thing you would do? Help all the weak. Martin, what is the first thing you would do? Fix the education system. John, what would you do? I'd refocus our nation on Christ. Refocus our nation on Christ. These are good answers. These are good answers. You know, most of us would probably not consider an eight-year-old to be even remotely equipped to rule a nation. And for an eight-year-old, I'm assuming it might be a little scary if you were made king today. Maybe a little bit? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it would certainly be overwhelming, right? Especially in the wake of many terrible, hated kings. See, Josiah would have seen and heard 
all of the great evils that had befallen his predecessors. And yet, what we see from him is great wisdom. Verse 2 tells us, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Something to understand about Scripture is that oftentimes when they referred to someone's father, it was speaking of a generational father. So Josiah was born out of the line of David. So at age 8, he's made king. By age 12, he had torn down the idols of his ancestors, and by age 18, he had begun to repair the temple. You guys can have a seat. Thank you for helping us to understand. It's a lot to accomplish in the span of 10 years. Most 18-year-olds are trying to figure out what they want to do in their life or where to major in college, but Josiah had begun to completely reform his kingdom. The first thing we see from Josiah and his example is that our kids have great potential to live godly lives and make an enormous impact for his kingdom. Mark chapter 10 verses 13 through 16, tells us of a time where people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it, And he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. God takes our children very seriously, even when we don't. He sees their influential power and the greatness of their faith, and he blesses it. See, in society at this time, children were seen as insignificant. A lot's changed in the last 2,000 years, right? No, unfortunately not. But kids, in their innocence, have a lot to teach us as adults. I remember a conversation I had not too long ago with my brother. And I'm going to speak gently here and ask you to read between the lines on some things. He and my sister-in-law were reconnecting with a member of her family who was engaged in a sinful lifestyle. And my niece who was around eight at the time, was naturally very confused about the way this person lived, having never been exposed to it. It was a very big moment for them as parents because they encountered one of those pivotal benchmarks in child-rearing. How do we handle big questions? So, my brother and sister handled the conversation graciously and truthfully. And then they took this as an opportunity to teach my niece that our first command as Christians was to love God and then love people. And that regardless of this person's lifestyle, it shouldn't cause us to hate them. And the first question from my niece's mouth, before any of the many she could have asked, about this relative was 
why would a Christian hate someone? See, as we grow older, our hearts often become cold and callous because of how difficult things in this world can be. But Jesus presented to his disciples that a child's heart was gentle and open and compassionate. Children are humble and understanding and often recognize the truth of things for what they are at face value. We see this in Josiah. And we should see it in our own children. Each and every one of them has the potential to be great influencers for the kingdom of God. Each and every one of them has the potential to be great influencers in our homes. So you kids and you teens, as Paul wrote to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't seek to be an influencer for the sake of fame. Seek to be an influencer for the sake of God. Even if everyone else looks at you as just some kid, know this. God sees you. He loves you. Your worth is found in him and him alone. He knows that the keys to tomorrow are in your hands and he has given them to you so that you might bless the world with the love and light of Jesus Christ. And we adults need to follow your example. Be like Josiah. Develop a love for the word of God that is so deep that you would first seek his heart above all else and desire to be obedient to only him. Let's pray. Just kidding, you thought I was done. <laughs> that would be enough. I got you. That would be enough in and of itself to stop there. But I promise that this message was for everyone. Parents, I'm not letting you off the hook that easily. But really, this next part isn't just for parents. It's for all adults. It's for anyone who has achieved that point in life where they're grown up. See, Josiah didn't just stop at these early reforms. We know that before discovering the book of the law, Josiah had been doing all he could to live and lead his people to live in a righteous manner. But upon discovering the book of the law, we see Josiah confronted with a grievous reality, the reality of just how far short of the line that he had fallen, leading him to beg for mercy from God's wrath, realizing that so much of the damage that had already been done was a result of those who came before him. But instead of pushing things to the side, or taking the it's-not-my-fault approach, he recognizes their failure and moves in a complete 180 towards revolutionary obedience, the likes of which had not been seen in the kingdom. Two weeks ago, I spoke about blame-shifting. 
as natural of a reaction as it is, it must be avoided. And that, instead, what we have to do is first look in the mirror to see what we must do to be the change. And this is exactly the response that Josiah had. He did not run away from the responsibility of being king or blame his predecessors for the current state of his people. He pressed in to the pain, seeking the true heart of God for him and those he was over. He was honest about the fact that the leaders before him had failed and also owned how he himself had failed. He didn't get defensive or make excuses. He didn't try to uphold the good name and reputation of Judah. He didn't minimize the damage that had been done. He threw himself down at the feet of the Lord, honestly, humbly, penitently, and mourned. Speaking again to the culture of influencers, it's often been said that one's social media presence is the version of themselves that they choose to show the world, the curated self. We pick the best parts to present, and it's easy for us when we look at some of these really popular figures to stop and realize there is no way that is actually how their day-to-day -day life is. So it comes as no surprise when that veil gets pulled back and the skeletons fall out of the closet and everything is revealed. In some ways, I think our culture actually loves to see that even more than the curated presentation. So many of our heroes, as of late, have been exposed to not really be who they led us to believe they were. From celebrities to government officials, our modern culture has allowed us and even encouraged us to take a magnifying glass to people and determine for ourselves whether they're righteous or not. And it's easy, maybe even comforting, in these moments to feel some relief because we stop and think, well, at least I'm not like that. But we all do this. Whether on social media or in our everyday lives, we all have a curated self that we present to the world and say, this is me. We even do this in our own homes. And if I don't know a better way to develop anxiety and pride in a person than to live behind the facade of who we present ourselves to be and try to distance ourselves and even maybe disguise ourselves from the messiness in our lives. What we see with Josiah, though, is a position of humility and genuine faith. Josiah set the example for not only his people, but future generations by coming before the Lord with a tender heart of repentance. He took ownership for those who came before him and apologized, both for what they had done and how it had shaped him. 
Josiah's move to honor the law of God and take ownership for the mistakes that had been made and commit to living differently caused others to fall into rank behind him. Shouldn't this be exactly how we run our households and our families? It's been said of generational trauma that it can become so common that people don't even recognize it as traumatic. The transference of experiences and stressors from one generation to the next that becomes so ingrained and habitual that it's just the norm. I would venture a guess that every single person in this room has experienced this, even if you don't recognize it or acknowledge it. And it can lead to physical and mental and emotional health issues and severe social difficulties. About a year ago, my grandfather passed away. I didn't really talk about it because it didn't impact me that much. That might seem strange for you to hear. This was my dad's dad. And I was asked to perform the funeral service for him. Like I said, I didn't really know him. I didn't have much to say about him as a result. He wasn't really involved in my life, and I loved him, but it, if I'm being honest, it was really an, an arm's length kind of love. You know, it was just the, the, the normal kind of like, yeah, I love my family. Maybe some of you can relate to this. When I sat down to talk with my father about what I should say, he said, son, just speak the truth from your heart. I can't help you here. My grandfather was a very complicated person. So complicated that my own dad refuses to share a lot of his experiences growing up with him as a father. This was just how it had always been. My dad did not talk about his father. But there is one thing that I do know, and that was this. My dad was determined to do better, to be better, to be a better father and husband in spite of what had come before him. Not making excuses, not shifting blame, owning it, repenting from it, and doing better. The same could be said for my mother. Both of my parents come from broken homes. Neither one of them were perfect as parents. Any parent in this room isn't either. I know I won't be. But as I've gotten older, I've realized something very beautiful about both of my parents. That in spite of their imperfections, I know they did the absolute best they could with the tools they were given. And above all, they apologize when they messed up. Not everyone breaks away from this. Some succumb to the cycle 
But Christians always should choose the path of repentance. As I said uh, earlier, this past week, I had the pleasure of serving at the Orange Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a, a yearly meeting for churches and church leaders who use the Orange curriculum in their church like we do. And the theme this year on here. That's fine. Yes? Yes? We're going to do this. The theme this year was see you tomorrow. It was a way of reminding us that one of our greatest callings in life as Christians is to simply we're going to take one second and I'm going to tell you how amazing the conference was from afar. It was amazing. There you go. No, it really was, though. It truly was. The theme was see you tomorrow. It was a reminder that as Christians, one of our greatest callings is to simply show up for one another. Honestly, authentically, humbly. If nothing else, my time there was convicting to me that my message today is primed for a time such as this. I had the privilege while I was there of studying under Bob Goff, who some of you might know is the author of Love Does. And he reminded us that any, every person experiences hurts in their life. And he used, some of you guys might know these, right? I don't remember exactly what they call it. Typically are called like Russian dolls, but... We'll call them Ukrainian dolls. Um, he used these as a reminder to us that we all experience hurts in our life. But when we experience hurts, what we tend to do is develop stories to deal with those hurts. We rewrite the narrative instead of exposing the truth. And then we develop rules to uphold those stories. Much like these dolls, what we do is we build layer after layer after layer until the truth is really, really disguised. And eventually, what this makes is a scaffolding for a very fragile faith and a very fragile life full of excuses. But as Christians, and I love this, we are given the beautiful privilege of taking all of this rocky foundation, this generational trauma, the sin of ourselves and our ancestors and dropping it at the foot of the cross. Parents, parents, grandparents, caregivers, leaders, mentors, adults, Let's be like 
Josiah. Let's break the cycle. In our homes, in our church, in our lives, let's lead with an attitude of humility and repentance, owning our mistakes, displaying mercy, extending and asking for forgiveness, and giving these burdens over to the God who is seeking to redeem us and make all things new. Let's set up this generation and future generations to honor, revere, and serve the Lord by first setting the example ourselves. Because we might not be able to escape our pasts, but we can determine a new future where our absolute and unconditional trust of the Lord inspires the next generation to trust him as well. Where we live like we actually know the Lord within the beautiful covenantal gift of grace that he affords us in Jesus Christ. The gift of mercy, the gift of forgiveness. Psalm 51 10 through 12 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Josiah sought a new heart and a new way of living, closeness to the Lord in humble obedience to him. His desire was to influence the world around him for the sake of the Lord, denying anything that had come before him so that he and his people might be made new. If today you need to come to this altar in that same humility, it's open, free of judgment. I will pray with you. Our pastors will pray with you. Our elders will pray with you. Friends will pray with you. Come before the Lord like a child, gentle and open, and ask him for this today. And allow this family to surround your family with love and encouragement. Respond to the influence of the Holy Spirit today because he is calling you. Honey, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So this is my confession. My wife and I have been impacted by generational trauma in our lives. But we want to do better. So we need your prayers too. Because we want to be better for the next generation. So we're going to ask that you come and pray for us as well. Pastor Jason, are you ready? Do not walk out of this place today carrying anything. If this is you today, he is calling you. Come today. Receive prayer. Be encouraged.